Hey everyone, thank you so much for checking out today's episode of Coming Up In My Sneakers. Today we have Rosa Halpern, uh, who is a fashion designer and she's known for her brand called Namesake. So welcome Rosa, how are you today? Hi guys, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Uh, so I want to just jump right into things and uh, tell me where you were born and raised. So I was born and raised in London, England. Um, oh, yeah, shocker, I don't have a cute accent. Oh, um, I didn't no know. No one ever expects it when I say that. Um, I moved to Canada when I was nine, so okay. this is home now. Um, I've moved, lived all over between then and now, but um, yeah, I was born and raised in the UK. That's amazing. And actually in London or just outside? Actually in London. Oh my yeah. God, that's yeah. so cool. What was it like? So zero to nine. So you were what, in like grade four or five when you came over here? Uh, grade three, four. Three, there four. was like this whole thing because you start school at a different age in England. Oh. So it was like confusing what grade to go into. So, right. but yeah, that's around the right age. <laughs> okay. Um, what age do you start school in England? Earlier or later than here? You start earlier there. Oh, okay. So, like, there's no kindergarten kind of situation. Oh, yeah. So you jump right like, in you know, we have JK, SK. Yeah. Which also, I think, is not in the U.S. either. But in any case. Yeah, I don't know. And I skipped one of those, too. So I really yeah, don't know. It's so, very it's, so I ended up skipping a grade and then going back with my peers and doing this whole, like, jumping around thing. But, yeah, I moved here in 2001. Very interesting. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my God. For, so, like, for the school year. So, right for, like, 9-11, basically. Okay, that's pretty, literally, probably scary. <laughs> literally, actually, like, my second day of school. Yeah, because it was, like, In a right... new country, not knowing anyone. Yeah. And my parents are American and, oh. like, from New York. Oh, my so God. So, it was, like, literally thought the world was ending and I had just started school in a strange country. So. And, like, a new continent, a new... Yeah. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> so traumatizing. Yeah. Okay, so you kind of answered my next question. Like, so why were you guys in, in, in England then if your parents were American? So, my parents are American. We were living in the UK for my dad's work. And okay. then I have two sisters. We were all born there. Um, and then we moved to Canada. And why Canada and not back to New York? Um, my parents didn't want to live in the U.S., I think. And, um, I mean, from then until now, it's become more apparent why you probably don't, might not want to live in the U.S., um, politically. Um, and my dad got a job here and here we are. Nice. Yeah. Um, and also thank God that that totally because like, had they decided New York you would have been arriving there like a couple days totally like, that's <laughs> insane to yeah, think about but it was oh a crazy god. way to start school in a new place for, for sure, sure. Yeah. and like oh my god and I know a lot of Europeans call um and a lot of people on that side of the world call Canada and the U.S. both America oh for so sure it's I like, haven't even heard of like Canada like <laughs> like honestly like people everyone thought I was moving to America <laughs> yeah exactly exactly right so like oh my god that's just crazy so um what was like like did you struggle making new friends when you came over here or were you kind of like always outgoing no like I've always been I mean I'm the middle child which I think by nature makes you like you always have buddies around so yeah I was very adaptable I never I made friends right away and I had my sisters who were also like my best friends growing up um but definitely like I was like an attraction because of my accent right so like I remember standing on you know in the playground and people being like say this say this say that (laughs) and all you want to do at like nine is like not stand out and be right, weird so I right. was desperate to lose my accent and now I wish I had it so. yeah I know because there's no trace whatsoever none, like I none. would have never guessed yeah. 
wow, that's crazy. But can you turn it back on again if you want oh, to? Oh, for sure. And when I'm around someone with an accent, within minutes, it kind of starts coming out. That's and I insane. always have to be like, I swear, I'm not making fun of you. <laughs> like, this is natural for me. Um, but, like, I slip into it really easily if I'm talking to someone um, British, for sure. That's or if I were to move back, I'm sure it would come, yeah. come right back. But because my parents have American accents, not British accents, I oh. think that's why I lost it. Because a lot of people I know who moved somewhere around the same age as me have their accent still right because uh, they're your, hearing it at home whereas like my parents literally sound like americans so. right right and did they ever develop an english accent ever or not really uh, like my mom maybe a slight one but like yeah it's harder like your formative yeah. years are like the, yeah, the exactly. years exactly. that is so interesting um it's funny because my family is all from england um like my, all my grandparents and everything and they all had accents growing up and i heard it like obviously I heard it but then like I never like you're around it but you just don't pick it like I don't know it's just interesting how yeah, all I, that works I love accents though but I totally wish I had one still uh, whatever <laughs> um okay so you lo- moved over here like grade three four five ish yeah. uh and then did you live like right downtown or like where yeah, did you go yeah like oh nice 10 minutes from where we're sitting right now oh awesome like we moved downtown um my dad was working at U of T so we were like oh, in, okay. in the downtown core um and I was here until high school. Nice. I mean, sorry, until university. Until university. Yeah, for high school until university. And what sort of things were you into as a kid? Like, was it evident that you were always artsy and, like, into fashion? Or were you kind of, like, just doing whatever at that age? No, totally. I was artsy and specifically into fashion. Um, My older sister is a complete genius. Like, total genius. Went to Harvard Law School, top of her class, like, brilliant. And... I'm just a few months younger than her, and so um, when you have a sister who's, like, the smartest person in the school, you find something really quickly that you're better Better at. at. (laughs) And I remember, like, the first time realizing I was better than her at something, she was doing some homework and showed it to my dad, and he was like, oh, it's great, but, like, maybe you should get Rosa to help you do the drawings and I was like oh, me <laughs> me um and so kind of that became my identity was like I was the artsy one and um I loved drawing I loved theater I loved kind of all of those things and I always loved fashion I always had a very distinct sense of style and sense of what I wanted to wear um I learned to sew when I was 10 and basically was making my own clothes and clothes for my friends all through middle school and high school. Nice. And I guess like starting your life in England, which is like the like, top tier of fashion, you're probably exposed to. Do you remember like the yeah. fashion over there? Like, no, I, really. like I was so young, like at right, nine, you're right. not really aware of that stuff. So like, I don't think I was aware of it. However, like I grew up in a very creative household. Like my mom is very creative. And so we were always like crafting and decorating and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So it was more of a craft thing, uh, less of like a fashion thing. Um, but yeah, I've always, as soon as I kind of knew what fashion was, like I devoured fashion magazines and that kind of stuff. Um, but always have been generally creative. Nice. Um, so going into high school, uh, were you like, did you enjoy high school or I always loved to, yeah, you like, I loved it. Like I, I, um, I was both like a total nerd, but also like very social and had friends and like, you know, 
part of a large social group, but like loved doing well in school and loved loved the environment I was in. Um, I I totally am not that like art student story who was like a loner and in, <laughs> in high school. Like that was not me. I and I think that. Um, it was interesting because, and we'll get to this, I'm sure, but when I ended up going to art school for university, I was, like, the most mainstream art student ever. And I never felt that way. Like, because right. I was always, like, you know, with my friends who were doing totally normal, like, high school things and, like, you know, partying yeah. and doing this. But then I also had this artsy side. And when I went to art school, I kind of thought everybody was going to be like me and then just, like, also be doing art, but it was not like that. Like, I was so mainstream for these art student people. <laughs> That's so interesting, because I think, like, a lot of people can relate, like, exactly when you're in sort of, like, a general pool, then your your strengths really stick out, yeah. but then as soon as you, like, subcategorize into a group where everyone's like that, then you really see where you sort of stand within. Um, and so, like, yeah, let's just jump right into that. Like, where did you go? So, do you, do, to go to university, do you, you went to an arts university? So, or? I went to school in Chicago. I went to the school of the Art Institute of Chicago, which is a fine art school that has um, a design, fashion design program. I knew I wanted to do fashion design, but I didn't want to go to like Parsons or yeah. a FIT or a school that was just a fashion school because I had this fear of like squandering myself with only like-minded people and also like I wanted to like meet guys and be like <laughs> yeah. be like not in this total fashion bubble with no one else um so the school I ended up choosing choosing is a huge art school that has a small fashion design program within it um and you were in fine arts or you were in or was the fashion program part of your it was part of the program okay. so I majored in fashion design but you, I also have a minor in art history and had to like was forced to take painting classes sculpture classes right. like all other art classes which was cool but once I was there I was like Ugh, I just want to do fashion <laughs> yeah yeah I hear that so, yeah and why Chicago uh, I wanted to be in a big city um, and like I said I I felt like the only options for me and it was between New York and Chicago because I'm a city girl 100% all of the fashion schools in New York were just fashion schools. right right yeah Okay, it makes yeah, sense. So, um, nice. And um, so, I can't remember what I was going to ask you, but oh, um, so basically, you're there, and like you really, you learned like early on. Okay, I just want to do fashion. And so, did you stick out your four years there? Yeah. So I, it's actually a five year program, which oh, I okay. did in four years, which was nice. crazy. It was super intense. Turns out, I hated Chicago. However, I gotta ask you, why did you hate it though? Oh my god, I just it was. I was really craving like a real university experience and it was basically a commuter school like I was living in an apartment in Chicago um. and um socially like it was just like being thrown into this crazy pool of people and um Chicago was a rough city I actually recently was back in Chicago and it's changed a lot since I went to school there when I went to school there it was like a really really tough and grimy kind of place I had a lot of crap happen to me like totally unrelated to school like within two weeks of moving there I was actually jumped by a girl gang yeah crazy stop and like 
a series of events like that like that happened then my apartment was broken into my car was broken into like just all these things I was like mugged twice like this series of events that like I could have been living in the best place on earth and going to the best school on earth and these things would have happened and I would have hated the city you know what I mean exactly it had nothing to do with the school it just was like wrong time wrong place however my education at that school was amazing I made amazing lifelong friends and um the program itself was like I mean the education in terms of the fashion skills I gained were unparalleled so I was happy in that way can you tell do you mind telling me about that experience of being like jumped I just oh my god like we don't have to if (laughs) you don't want to funny because I I, like always casually throw that into conversation people are like you can't (laughs) casually (laughs) throw that in um yeah you can do that here it was like (laughs) it was a like right after I had moved to school and we were like at a bar and so it's nighttime nighttime and um it was like me three girls and a couple guys who we were with and like I mean okay already I'm like underage drinking at a bar so I'm setting myself up not I think everybody does that but you know and um these girls came up to me and were just like hey that's my bag and I was so wait sorry you're inside the bar you're inside inside and your friends are around you I'm with one girlfriend at this point okay (laughs) and and um I love this by the way it's so unlike (laughs) any other fashion podcast I've ever been on um so we're at the bar this they these this group of like four girls come up to us me and one other girl and they go hey that's my bag and it was my purse obviously obviously. yours yeah and I was like, uh, no, it's not. Like, this is this is my bag. And she was like, what, you think you can take whatever you want? What blah, blah, blah. Fuck? And I was like, whoa, what is going on? What kind and of bag she, was it quickly? Like, I don't even know. Like, a crappy crossbody bag that I oh, didn't like, even so remember. Oh, like, so not even, like, like not a nice bag. Like that. Not okay. a nice bag. <laughs> and before I know it, she, like, grabs my hair and whips me across the bar. Like, literally what flings me across fuck? the bar. And I'm, like, you know, drunk and hysterical and start screaming and making this huge scene. Is anybody around you doing anything? So I'm bartender? screaming, like, crying, like, screaming at the girl and so the bouncer comes up and like separates us and kicks the girl other girls out and I'm like still like hysterical like my head was bleeding like literally from my hair being ripped out and I was like freaking out and the bouncer was like you're making such a scene I'm gonna have to ask you to leave and I was like well I'm not going I'm not leaving those girls are out there I'm not going out there and the bouncer was like oh no it's okay you can go out the back door like you'll go out the back door please you're making a scene you're making a scene so I'm like drunk and not thinking and go out the back door and also you're being told to leave what are you supposed to do so I go out the back door with my friend and she's calling our friends who were our guy friends who we were with telling them like what's happening and I'll never forget like this moment is one of the moments that will stick with me forever I will turn over my shoulder and all four of the girls are in the alleyway so I don't know if it was a setup I don't know what the I was, fuck was just gonna ask you I wonder but if that like, bouncer was like but like literally the four girls are like walking towards us down the alleyway I literally chills around my whole body and it, I'm actually was a, I'm a black belt in Taekwondo. Like I did oh. Taekwondo all of high school. So I was like, you know, felt like I got this, not like I was looking for a fight, but you at least have some training. It genuinely was just like a blur of like arms flailing, like legs kicking. I don't remember anything of the actual fight. My friend who I was with ended up getting a high heel wedged in the back <gasps> of her head. Shut the fuck yeah. up. So it was like, stuck in her head. Literally the girl, the other girl took off her heel and hit her in the back of the head. With Why it. are people psycho? <laughs> and, um, and yeah, like 
next thing I know, our guy friends came out and was like, I remember him like restraining me and like pulling me up and my legs were kicking and the other guys were like chasing them out down the alleyway and they got in a car and whipped away. And that was that. Oh my God. Okay. So hold on. It was four (laughs) versus two. It was you and your other girlfriend. But I kept my bag. They never got the bag. Yes. Good. Fuck those bitches. It's not their bag. And like, that was like my introduction to a new city. So. Oh my God. So first, well, first it's coming to Canada and then 9-11 happens two days later. And then then it's Chicago. about that but it's yeah, like it was like welcome to the city um that's so fucked. that kind of set the mood like I never felt safe in that city and I had lived in London I lived in Toronto I'd l- spent time in New York with my family like I was like I'm a city girl I'm cool you've and been this around was like, this was next level um Chicago just like you know it's such a segregated city or yeah. at least it really was when I when I was there and I really felt that like there's the south side and then the not south side and like it just I don't know it, I didn't love the city I didn't gel well with me and um and were you in a bad area or were you just in like a downtown the thing about Chicago is like I lived in a nice neighborhood but my nice neighborhood you took one wrong corner and you're like in like a gang area oh shit. and like in my nice neighborhood like I would hear like gunshots at night and stuff oh, like it, it was really like Chicago especially then was really really fucked up um there still are major issues there sorry um, and what years are this just so we can have a- uh 2010 to 2014 okay yeah so not like terribly long no, ago, no, but no. like. But uh, like I said, enough. I just went back last year, and it was the first time since I graduated that I went back, and I couldn't believe how much this city and it was had changed. Different. Oh, hey, that's just good. like how much growth had happened in areas that were like wastelands before had like cool stuff going on. Sorry, cool stuff going on and all of that. Yeah. So. Also, in 2010, they would have only been two years out of the massive 08 crash. Mm-hmm, so like, mm-hmm. I think it just yeah, affected. So many, like we felt it a little up here, but yeah. like I even remember going to Florida in 2008, and I had grown up going there every single year of my and entire life. So and I was like, it felt like there was a zombie apocalypse, and everyone fled. Right. Like there, I'll never forget either. Like there was um a tumbleweed, just like crazy, like yeah. going across the road, and like we were the only car on the on the road on like one of the busiest wow. street. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. But so yeah, that so that's good to know though that it's yeah. like no, turned it's around. totally different. Like I was so impressed when I just went. There was like so many cool stores and restaurants and things that just didn't exist. This before, um, and also like. I was, like, young and underage and going to bars that would accept my, like, fake Saskatchewan ID and, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Everyone has a Saskatchewan ID. Oh, like, Nova Scotia. now, like, I go back and I'm like, whoa, this is great, but I would never have had come here when I had, like, no money and was a poor student and, like, all this stuff. So it's definitely changed. Is this chair squeaking a lot? No, you're good. Okay. You're good. Um, good for you for even going back because a lot of people just after that one experience wouldn't have even have stayed. They would have oh, been like, yeah. Fuck my mom was home. ready for me to like come home right away. Yeah, <laughs> after for that. Sure. And then it was just like one thing after another. Um, but my God, hey, but what you, doesn't like, kill you makes you stronger. Like so. honestly, the truest statement though, yeah. like, and, uh, so that's amazing. I'm sure that set you up for like, like now, uh, like, are you even afraid of Toronto streets? Probably not. Right. Or like. I mean, I think you should be smart anywhere you are, yeah. but, like, Toronto's a very safe city. <laughs> it is. I know. We're so lucky. We're very, very lucky. Um, oh, my God. That is so crazy. So, um, actually, and really quick, how the fuck did your friend get the heel out of her? Did she do it with a hospital? the hospital, yeah. And they had to, like, remove yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Did she have, like, any permanent damage from that? I'm, I mean, not that I know of, oh, but we're okay, actually not good. in touch anymore, oh, so shit. I don't know. <laughs> oh, but, my God. Um, no, I don't know. <laughs> fuck, that's rough. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so you graduate yes. in four years. Yes. Um, and then are you like, I know exactly what I'm going to do now, or had you no idea? Uh, okay, so we have to rewind a little bit. Okay, go ahead. I, so while I was in school in Chicago, I spent every single summer working in New York. Okay. Um, and I was like very quickly like, New York is where I'm going to be. I was, like, the New York girl. Like, spent every moment I could there. You know, would spend all summer there interning and then, like, go back over, like, Christmas break, March break. Like, any chance I got, I was in New York um, and really felt at home there. And I had a series of different internships there. Um, And then my third year... No, third year of university second year of university I got an amazing internship with Thaskin's Theory so Thaskin's Theory doesn't exist anymore it was the like haute couture creative version of um, theory like it was their high-end really artisanal line and it was designed by Olivier Thaskin's and um, he was amazing he really like treated his line within theory as like a European atelier like the way he worked was amazing and inspiring to me and I just loved being there and I was a really really good fit there so I worked there first as an intern then I came back the next year as an assistant designer and then um they were like you have a job here when you're done school so I was like all set ready to move to New York work my dream job so stoked and um then right before I graduated I got a call from my boss at Theory and she was like I have terrible news the company is dissolving stop so I was like okay what am I gonna do um and at that point my best friend was finishing in five years not the four years and so she and I were like you know were the ones who had spent every summer in New York together and stuff so she was like so so she was like I was like okay I'm gonna wait figure out what I'm gonna do until you graduate and then we'll move to New York together and at least I'll have like a bit of time to figure out where I'm gonna work what I want to do because I, it didn't make sense to move to New York with no job at that point um and I thought I wanted to take get an internship in Europe for a year while she was finishing up school and like take get an experience and like I was applying to like uh, jobs at Hader Ackerman and Amelia Meester, McQueen. Like, I really wanted to get that really, really um, kind of larger, true atelier, like, designer experience and then bring that back to New York. And I was, like, all set to do that. Um, and luckily, I'm a triple citizen. So, like, jumping over to Europe you, is no um, big deal. No but big how deal. are you able? I was literally going to just ask you about that. Yeah. How, are you, how can you be triple? I thought some no, countries no, don't no. allow. As long as, like, the countries are all, like, cool with each other, each other you can you could have it like five i'm pretty sure what? yeah okay, but only i, I guess that they have some... to be like all like allied countries right so like <laughs> australia uk like blah blah, blah yeah. u.s canada because i know like mexico only no. allows one yeah. and like those so, things okay like i have so you EU, literally... canadian and u.s and they're all chill are you kidding yeah. me that is like the dream like <laughs> yeah thing. i mean especially working in fashion is very very lucky um so i yeah so i was applying for jobs and I went and I was taking like French classes here because I was like my French needs to be way better and most of the designers I was interested in working with were in Paris and um, while I was I also needed to save up money to like move 
to New York or Paris or wherever I was going. I needed money. Um, and so I was living at home and I ended up getting a job, first retail job um, at Serpentine, which is a high-end menswear store here in Toronto. They're an amazing store. They were like the first account of Rick Owens in Canada, the first account of Balmain in Canada. Oh, wow. Boris Bidian Saberi, Julius, like these really, really great brands. They were like the first to bring them to Canada. And I got a job there and it was essentially the two owners and me working. And as I was there, I got more responsibility, helping with buying. Um, and I really got to learn from them kind of the business side um, because everything I had done was like so, so, so just about the creative side. Like no attention whatsoever at my school towards like how much do things cost how, what's the feasibility of this who's gonna buy it it was just like be as creative as you can which is great and things will happen <laughs> but you need to like you know understand the business side so I was learning the business side there saving up to move and um, a friend of mine asked me to make her leather jacket so I had never made a leather jacket before, although I had, like, made many jackets and worked with leather. Somewhat. Okay, I was going to say, like, why would she... So, like, my I, I knew from school how to, like, fully, like, pattern clothing, make clothing, tailor clothing, drape clothing, um, and my aesthetic was very, like, kind of, like, leather biker-y, I guess, um, but I hadn't actually made a leather jacket, but I was like, okay, like, I'm... Sure, why not? I'll try it. Um, So I made her a leather jacket, and she was someone who's an athlete who is very broad-shouldered but very, very tiny and couldn't find a jacket that fit her at a store anywhere. And, you know, she wanted one, and it wasn't on the market, so I made her one, and she loved it. And a few of her friends wanted jackets, and then a few of their friends and my friends. And before I knew it, I had, like, 25 people who wanted leather jackets and um I was like I might be onto something here yeah um and I was still working at Serpentine um and just like making jackets like here and there in my mom's basement and um then it kind of just like all of a sudden I had enough people who were pestering me and knocking on my door asking for jackets and I was like okay I I'm really gonna think about this and I started to realize that there was no one else doing this so there was no one else making custom leather jackets that were more fashion jackets there existed like you know true motorcycle gear that was custom Mm -hmm. with like the big pads that slide in and out and are like gonna protect you in a motorcycle crash but like the average person walking down the street (laughs) isn't going doesn't want that but that doesn't mean they don't want custom and um yeah I kind of like started doing that more and more and more and um then I met my now fiance like within that period of time thank you I hate that word fiance like every time I say it I feel like a fucking idiot but like what else you're gonna say and as soon as Uh, you get used to it then you'll get married and you have to transition to husband so I met him and like life here was looking pretty good and like it was funny because when I graduated school and you had told me like okay you know five years later you're gonna be in Toronto with like a fiance a business a house a dog I would have been like fuck off absolutely not but it just happened in such an organic and natural way um 
and here we are. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. So had you heard back from like any of these places that you were applying to, like McQueen and like those So places? I had heard back from a few of the Belgian designers and like Hader Ackerman was and is still like one of my absolute favorite, favorite designers. And I had actually gone to Antwerp where he's based and I hated Antwerp. Oh. So I went to go check it out, see if I could, like, you know, like, whatever, meet with them. And I absolutely hated Antwerp. And I Was it just, like, cold and shitty there? It was there, just, like, like, I imagined it as this cute little, like, European jaunt away from Paris. And, yeah. Like, it just, like, was just, like, a gr- boring little town, essentially. Right. And I just couldn't... I was so disenchanted and I couldn't see myself like really being there um and at the same time like I was like falling in love here and like really loving what I was doing with the leather and um honestly it was just kind of like I stopped really trying I also with the Parisian designers really wanted to wait until my French was good enough right I was super self-conscious about that because um, they don't budge for anybody. No, like, exactly. And I didn't want to go in and, like... I wanted to go in feeling 100% confident. Yeah, and, like, it just kind of, like, went to the back burner. And then um, I really I really got into what I was doing with... with I mean, at that point, it wasn't even namesake. Um, but it formed into namesake. Yeah, okay. So tell me about that. So you... Um, so now you're kind of, like, this leather jacket factory in your parents' basement. And you have, like, a bit of a clientele. So were you, like aha, I need to start a business and a brand, or, like, how did that sort of form? So I, I realized that there was, like, a need, a need for um, a, a niche hole in the market, I guess, that I could fill. Um, and my original idea for the brand was much more um, of, like, not just leather jackets, but kind of, like, also some, like, ready-to-wear pieces and T-shirts and jeans and, like, other things that kind of fit within the, like... L- image and the style I wanted um but I saw a lot of people young designers around me start brands and it was all too much like they were spreading themselves so thin and I felt like okay I want to be the best at one thing and then I can move on to the next that's the smartest thing and um rather than launching with like a few jackets and a few tank tops and a few t-shirts and a few pants and you know Mm -hmm. like I just was like let's just do the jackets see how that goes and then I'll add on to the other things and so much easier to brand that way too yeah and I um I I, I'm having trouble at this moment kind of thinking back on how it kind of all came to be um I knew that something that my school was really great at was teaching us about like thinking behind what you're making there's enough clothes in the world to clothe everybody like five times over or something Mm -hmm. like that so if you're going to make new clothes why are you making them um and I knew that like the there weren't enough custom leather jackets that actually fit people out there in the world so that I felt good about but I wanted there to be more like a bit of a story behind it um because I feel like people attach onto brands better if there's like a story it's just not an object um so i'm named after rosa parks and rosa luxembourg oh my god that is and so amazing i that's kind of where the original namesake idea came from so like who you're named after is your namesake and um we started by creating a collection of five jackets each that were named after other different influential women who had changed the world wow the idea and who were they sorry I want to know. uh Frida Kaula uh Emmeline Pankhurst who was one of the leaders of the suffragette movement um Yoko Ono 
um, who else were the original ones? I can think of them all, but I'm trying to think who the originals were. Um, Grace Jones and I can't remember who the original fifth was. Now we have Georgia O'Keefe, Isadora Duncan, uh, Bonnie Parker, Maude Wagner, uh, just to name a few. Nice. But we started much smaller and, um, the idea is, you know, you put on a leather jacket and it's a totally empowering piece of clothing. You get to go out there and it gives you that little extra bit of confidence to be like the best, most badass version of yourself um, and channel your inner Grace Jones or whoever it is that you need to be that day. I really feel like your leather jacket like gives you that extra little bit of like oomph to go do it. Um, and so, so I, I kind of was putting all these ideas together in my head and yeah launched really small with just the five styles and um the reason it kind of all came together was that a friend of mine was working with a store um and they said oh they're interested in doing a pop-up for you mm. and I was like literally didn't have a business card didn't have a website didn't have anything Were, did you have namesake as the name at this point yes okay but I didn't have and I was like referring to it as namesake but I didn't have like a brand yeah and they were like yeah we want to do the pop-up on April 20th and I and that having that deadline of a date really lit the fire under my ass to like get everything together and I think that that was essential because it forced me to like get everything going um and how many days like what date did you hear april 20th on do you remember it must have been like january or february so it was enough time that i had like two or three months but it really was like get your website together get you know all these business cards tags branding like figure it out yeah (laughs) a logo yeah like really figure it out um and it really forced me to like consolidate um and then at that point it was just me like Literally, I had no one but me doing it, no one but me working on it, and that was how it started, and it's just grown really, really rapidly from there. That's amazing, Um, and I want to ask you, so you did do that first pop-up, and you said you launched with the five styles, Mm -hmm. right? So at that point, were you more so focusing on different cuts and then you're going to sell those or were you like when people were coming into the store were you saying like oh we do custom jackets from the get-go right so the model that we used then is basically the exact same as what we're doing now our way of doing it and our options have changed but basically how it works is we have our base styles which we call the icons um you pick your icon you pick your leather you pick your hardware you pick your lining you pick your embellishments and then most importantly we custom fit it to you which is so important so we have black canvas jackets of every single one of those styles in every single size and so if you walk in and you're you know between a four and a six we'll fit it to you using the canvas jacket so that it fits you perfectly and when we launched for that first pop-up that was the same way we were working then so So you're taking orders kind of and we everything we do to this day is just made to made to order right so at the pop-up, we were taking orders. We had our leathers hanging. People could come in. They could pick their leather. They could look through the linings. They could look through the hardwares. Now we have many, many, many more options for each of those. We have many more leathers. We have many more linings, many more styles. Um, but the way we operate is essentially the same. 
That's awesome. And that's such an unbelievable business model too in the fashion world. Cause I think that what like stunts a lot of new designers, the ones that I've spoken to anyway, is like that upfront cost of like mm-hmm. buying and then, mm-hmm. but like made to order is a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's great. It's great in terms of like, we don't have to place orders and do that. There are challenges to it. Um, such as like, we don't have like sample, multiple sample sets to send out for shoots. Like we really oh, have right. like our one kind of s- you know, sample set, um, even for like, yeah, for, for promotional use and stuff like that. It's hard because people will like make, cause on our website you can like design a jacket and like virtually create it. And then they'll be like, can we pull this jacket? And we're like, yeah, well it doesn't exist yet. You know, so we have at our showroom all of the plain icon jackets and then probably like, you know, 20 or 30 cool studded fringed painted jackets. But if you come in and you want like a pink fringe jacket which you can make on our website we're not gonna have that in our showroom right so um that's so cool so you offer so if you do like i just want to run off of this pink jacket is it painted leather or no 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 so i mean you could paint it but like we do more like painting like if you want like i don't know a tiger on the back or your name on it or something like that that's what when we paint the leather itself we offer at this point probably 50 different types of leather and those leathers could be textured colored metallic oh wow anything yeah there's a ton out there that's amazing and it's such a cool concept and I've literally never like forget Toronto I've never heard of it really from anywhere like I don't know anyone else in the world that's doing this yeah so it's pretty awesome there's actually only one other brand that we're aware of at all in the world that does anything remotely similar to what we're doing um and we are very different from them both in terms of our style and in terms of price point um our style is much more kind of street I don't I hate the word street style but it's more like fashion forward um and their style is more like rugged Mm -hmm. utilitarian if that makes sense right um and also our price points are very different so our starting price point is around twelve hundred dollars their starting price point is around five thousand us oh my god so really i don't view them as our competition whatsoever because it's a it's a different ball game um but i think that that's why we've had a quite a lot of growth um and success so far is because really we don't have any competition um if you want to go buy a jacket off the rack nothing wrong with that but you're not our customer then and so it's kind of like you know there's that's it there's there's us um if you are looking for custom leather we are your destination nice and so your showroom is it open to the public at all times or how does that work so currently our showroom is by appointment only um we do a lot of pop-ups in different cities so i mean in the last four months we've been in eight different cities oh wow um and we bring all of that stuff so leather hardware lining canvases everything with us when we do our pop-ups it's just like a regular store that's open to the public um our showroom currently like i said is by appointment however we are moving um we've outgrown our current space and so we are moving and um we're probably going to be open to the public like one day a week and then by appointment the other days um that's kind of the plan right now just because some people feel I think that the like making an appointment turns some people who are like just want to look or check it out away they there's it's like never any pressure to buy if you're making an appointment with us it's just so that we can like right now our studio is really small and so we well it's not small it's massive but it's 
crowd for you guys. It's crowd. It's small for us. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we want to clean and make it look good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is why we need to know when you're coming. Whereas um, <laughs> our new place that we're moving into is even larger. And so nice. we'll be able to at least have more, like, of a separate studio space and a separate showroom space. Nice. That's amazing. So, okay, I'm... Uh, first of all, I love this whole concept. But I'm the type of person where, like, I would just want to come in for this experience. Because mm-hmm. I'd want to be inspired with maybe mm-hmm. other things that I'm seeing around. Or I want to, like, just talk with you, the designer, to be like, you know, I have this issue. Like, what can you recommend whereas like maybe on your website I wouldn't get that so like what is what is my first step um you mean if you're gonna come in or if you want to purchase online (laughs) yeah no sorry if I'm gonna if let's just say I want a custom leather jacket and like maybe I want will purchase online maybe I want to come in so I mean if you want if you're located in Toronto or the GTA or in Toronto for some reason coming in is a hundred percent the best um I'm there, my other staff are there, all of whom are so knowledgeable about, like, you know, your lifestyle, what type of leather is best for your lifestyle, do you want super soft lambskin that's going to feel like a sweatshirt but mark really easily, or do you want something that you can, like, shove in a suitcase, whip around, and not not give a fuck if it gets ruined, because it won't get ruined, or will look better if it does, like... Coming in is 100% the best way to do that. And do people call to, like, make an appointment? Oh, uh, on our website, you can make okay. an appointment. You can message us on Instagram. Oh, you okay, can email perfect. us. Um, get so a hold of us in want. some way, and then we'll, we'll book an appointment for you. But we also do take appointments online. Something that has been an interesting kind of, like, struggle for us that we've come up with some creative solutions to is the fact that people would rather are nervous to do this by themselves online. Yeah. Um, and so we have a few different things. So we have... Have, first of all a thing called try at home where basically mm. let's say you're located I don't know in like Calgary and you can't get to Toronto and you want to try a jacket but you don't know which style is best for you or what leather is best for you or what fit is best for you you can go online and you get to select two jackets four leathers and we actually send to you canvas jackets in your selected size and style four leather swatches all the lining swatches, hardware swatches, everything, um, and it all comes in a prepaid mailer. So you actually get to have basically the fitting process at home, and then you put it back in the prepaid mailer, comes back to us, we send you a video, um, video instructions on how to fit, things like sleeve length. A lot of people have no idea how to measure their sleeve length, so we actually walk you through every step of it online. Oh, that's really convenient. Um, and we've had a lot of success with that. Um, basically, it's 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 not very expensive to do. I think it's $85. And if you buy the jacket, if you buy a custom jacket afterwards, then that $85 is credited towards your purchase. Oh, so nice. basically, it's really for people who are serious about buying it. Um, and if you're serious about buying it, that's going to be credited towards your purchase. So yeah. what does it matter? Um, so we have that. We also offer digital consultations. So oh, that's um, online, again, you can book a digital consultation. And basically, you get 30 minutes of my or one of our other um, people's time where you can ask us anything. So sometimes it's just a matter of asking us, okay, like, you know, I am treat my clothes this way, or I like this, or I don't like this, or which style do you think's best on my body type, or what size? Or sometimes we're literally sitting online digitally walking through the customization process online. Like I said, we have our website 
um, is fine. You can play around with it, build your jacket, but there's so many options that it's sometimes mm-hmm. overwhelming. So sometimes we'll literally just walk people through it online. Um, so we have those two kind of creative solutions, which are our way of kind of maintaining a place in the digital world, even though we really are more of like a hands-on bespoke brand. Yeah, that's a really like, those are two really great um alternatives and the fact that you have that working well uh is great because that's like something that i've run into before i think i've heard of something around the first thing that like the try on at home type of thing not to that Mm -hmm. degree but there's been things that i've seen online where like you upload a photo of yourself Mm -hmm. and then whatever uh but that's really good digital consultations are are perfect too yeah it's great people just want to talk it through make sure they're making yeah it's a larger purchase so you want to exactly exactly. so you just want to like get that confirmation from Mm -hmm. like the person itself um okay question for you okay how have you dealt you know how there's this like big like vegan leather Mm -hmm. movement now (laughs) like is that affecting your business how are you um so like i get the question often and people always say when are you gonna offer a vegan option um I'll put it on the record here. Vegan leather is literally the worst thing for the environment. Really? It is burnt plastic. 100% of the leather we use is a direct byproduct of the food industry. So what that means is that leather has, or animal, has already been killed. Yeah. And we are kind of honoring, like, the Native American practice of using every inch of the animal. We are very selective on what tanneries we work with. We only work with tanneries that are, like, the have really great labor practices. The chemicals they use are all, like, approved. Um, Sorry, and a tannery is, like... That's where they actually prepare the leather. Okay. Yeah. So it's not like we're skinning animals. Like, we buy the leather already prepared. Um, And, you know, the other thing is, is we're made to order. So that means that we only purchase the leather that you, we need to make what you're, what has been ordered. So we're not overproducing. We're not overbuying. Our, our, in terms of like thinking about doing good for the world, I feel very confident that by kind of partaking in this slow fashion way of running a business where we're making one garment at a time, ordering just for your garment, um, using a byproduct material, not a material that's being made literally just to kind of please the vegans. Um, I feel confident in that. Like I literally have no problem saying to someone, I'm sorry, we're not offering a vegan option because our current option is actually better for the world. Um, The amount of pollution, the amount of, you know, issues caused by the production of pleather is terrible. Um, There are some really cool alternatives out there, such as pineapple leather, um, which is, like, meant to look like leather. It's made from pineapples. It's definitely more eco-friendly than... um, Like vegan pleather. yeah, Yeah, pleather. However... Um, it does not withstand kind of the wear and tear the way that real leather does. Our leather jackets literally will last you a lifetime. Yeah. And so it's not like in five years it's going to rip and you're going to throw it away and it's going to end up in a landfill um, and you're going to have to buy another one. It's kind of a stupid thing from a business standpoint because we're giving you a product that's not going to need to be replaced for yeah. 10, 15, 20 years. Um, but... We we really stand behind our product and believe in it. We believe in the materials we're using. Um, every 
part of your jacket has been sourced carefully. The lining comes from a manufacturer in America, not a manufacturer in China. Even though we can get it for half the price by going to China, we don't. We want to produce in a way that we can stand behind and in a way that we believe in. That's so, so, so important to me. And we've actually been written up um, as like an eco-friendly brand and all this nice. stuff. Like Elle did a feature on us last year as like a eco-brand choice. And we got a lot of comments saying like, you know, or they did like a leather brand really like but really we are producing in a way that is very eco-friendly every single jacket is made by hand in our toronto studio um and the practices that like the labor it's not made in a sweatshop like yeah. we're literally like an awesome team of women who all love what we do and who are all making your jacket really carefully and thoughtfully um so that definitely is my answer to that nice um we do have also quite a bit of backlash because we do use fur um so fur is an option we don't like it's an add-on that you could add to your jacket we offer fur collars that are detachable fur sleeves and also fur linings for your jacket do you have any fur fur or you just work with real so we have used faux fur um and the reason that i'll use faux fur is because i more understand the argument behind like fur people who don't like fur with leather it's like okay do you have anything in your house that's made you know out of an animal like trust me we're really really doing this carefully however with fur you you're in you like fur and you believe in using fur or you don't and we're not going to push that on anybody Mm -hmm. um and we have gotten backlash on it i will say that the fur we use is all nafa certified fur which means it's um comes from furriers that have really really high standards put on them um it's all canadian fur so it comes from the arctic um where they have been fur trapping for literally ever hundreds of years and the way and the methods they're fur trapping are much more preferable to like buying fur in bulk again from somewhere like china right yeah i think it's that conversation's so interesting like i'm not a vegan um and i i own fur and leather and it's so funny because i think this like I've really noticed it over the last year as well is like I think this um, sort of blanket um, like opinion that seems to be forming, especially in Toronto, um, is very like buzzwordy and people hear like leather and this and that and then they just like it's like attack mode. Right. But like. I, I almost wish we would, and I, I always kind of use this example, anytime I get into like a controversial debate, because it happens often, um, and for listeners that can't see what I'm doing right now, basically picture like scales, like I have one hand down, one hand up, like I think what we all think we're trying to do is like even the scales, but what I think a lot of people's actions and mm-hmm. words are often doing 100%. is actually just weighing them so in the other direction. Think about all, like, and one other thing about vegan leather that I find hilarious if you remember a few years ago, we were calling vegan leather pleather. Yeah. And then there was this shift where all of a sudden it became vegan, vegan leather, leather, which sounds same much shit. more like, yeah. ooh, it's the same shit. Yeah. Um, but I agreed. Like, all of a sudden you're seeing vegan leather, I feel like, everywhere. Like, vegan leather jumpsuits, vegan leather pants, this, this, this. And we are using, we're producing so much of this plastic that is going to be in a landfill forever. Real leather is going to biodegrade. It's natural material. It's skin. This pleather is going to be in a landfill forever. And exactly like you said, we're trying so hard to correct our actions that we're ending up producing so much of this material that's actually really, really toxic. Um, One other thing I want to mention for anyone out there who's opposed to fur, we also use a lot of vintage fur. 
Oh, um, nice. So you can bring us like a vintage jacket, a vintage fur jacket that you have lying around, and we'll repurpose that for a fur collar, for the lining, or for sleeves. Nice. Yeah, that's good. And I think um, I think that that was the first thing that you said is what I kind of always said too. I was I was like, okay, until I'm like until the food industry stops producing meat, like these. I, I know this is kind of like maybe like barbaric to some people, but I just feel like the animal is like unfortunately being killed already you may as well like totally. use You're using all, all of the it animal. it's respectful it's, actually it, it, yeah all, all, honest to god so. and um and then yeah i did not realize that vegan leather was actually but it makes perfect sense because it's plastic ultimately yeah. and like synthetic so it yeah. would um but yeah that's really interesting i think um a lot of people have been quick to judge mm-hmm. and have not really done the research and mm-hmm. from what you're saying um it actually makes perfect sense that it would be an eco and i'm glad l did that feature too because i think we need to be 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 more mindful and more aware of like just because the word eco is in there like that buzzword Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that everything's green and Mm -hmm. vegan and this and that it's like you know so very interesting i I thought that that might be like and so do do you feel any sort of like threats or anything um in, in for like the longevity of your business or you're totally like you think it's gonna be all good um i mean i actually think that the in terms of like what we're doing with custom, I think the whole kind of industry is taking like a few steps back and slowing down and becoming more kind of conscious of like, you know, buying things that are gonna last a lifetime and investing in quality pieces. And like, the, I think that the customers out there are becoming more educated in, you know, things like wear value, which I talk about all the time. Like if you're buying a pleather jacket from Zara for, I don't even know how much they cost, a hundred dollars and you wear it, you know, X number of times, or if you're buying a jacket from us that you're going to wear for 20 years, it pays itself off to go for the more expensive piece that's going to last longer. And um, look much nicer. And look much nicer too, yes. And be more comfortable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm not, I mean, certainly in terms of like veganism, I'm not threatened. My business isn't threatened. Um, I think the retail landscape is changing rapidly. There's other threats to the business in kind of the larger world but because it's just because it's really hard to make it as a small brand yeah. that's all but um in terms of veganism i don't feel that as a as a strong threat nice um and what kind of things do you have planned for like this year or next if you're able to even so we're we're planning on moving which is right very exciting for us and taking a lot of um same area excitement. or so we're different... moving to a different area i don't want to fully jinx it because I'm literally meant to sign the contract tonight and knocking, so knocking on I actually currently. lost another place and I had like told everyone I knew that I was moving there oh, and I lost shit. it and I was like shit I'm not going to talk about this one but I'm pretty confident that this is going through but basically we're we're moving and we want to be more a bit more um build out the kind of namesake lifestyle experience a bit more um without giving too much away it's going to be a bit more of like a concept showroom mm, um a lot of people and, are moving in that direction and um kind of an exciting place and I think one of a kind certainly for in Toronto um so we're really excited about that and then um we do a lot of pop-ups a it's basically a huge part of our business model because we are like you were saying so like you want to go you want to see it you want to feel it you want to talk to me we travel constantly we were like in so many cities 
2019 and 2020 were hitting even more. Um, it's just a great way to break into a new market, meet amazing clientele, and our clientele are our best ambassadors. Um, our business has grown basically 99% on word of mouth. And so every time we go and we meet people in a new city and they tell somebody and et cetera, et cetera, that's how our brand really grows. So we're traveling hopefully to some pretty cool places and um, that's about it. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so tell me about your favorite footwear that you okay. had today. So I am not a sneaker girl. I like already told you this. I wish I was because I love being comfortable. However, with the exception of like just vans, which I do wear sometimes, I just am too short to pull off sneakers and still look cute in my opinion. <laughs> I like a little heel. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no nothing wrong with that. My absolute favorite shoes right now because they're new. I just got a pair of Paris, Texas boots that are um, zebra printed and pretty cool. That was the first English thing I heard you say. Zebra? Zebra. There you go. See, still got it. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I love like the kind of Western trend. Like that is my style to a T. Like I don't think it's a trend. It's me for life. Um, nice. Like I always say I'm like a ninja cowgirl. Um, Amazing. That's like my inner style icon. Um, and yeah, I love them. They're really cool. I tried them on um, in New York and it was one of those moments where you put something on and you just feel like you're like cool. these are mine like yeah. you just like need to walk out of the store in them and um like I was saying I think that um a leather jacket can do this and a good pair of shoes are the only other item that have the ability to really change the way you feel about yourself that day like you put on a good pair for me of like knee-high zebra printed cowboy boots and you just feel like a badass yeah so yeah I don't those are my favorite boots right now amazing <laughs> and what's one piece of advice you'd give to somebody um walking a similar path to yours uh I think it's really really important not to compare yourself to anyone else especially like with Instagram and social media like you're constantly seeing like the glamorous shiny aspects of other people's lives and also other brands and you know the path your brand is on is so different from the path that another brand is on um and I think that spending too much time worrying about what other people are doing and comparing yourself to them is only going to tear you down and waste time doing things that are productive for your business so I think that is definitely one of them and then I think the other one just based on kind of my trajectory and my story is to like be open to the possibility that what your plan is might not be your plan. Like I said, I I um, five years ago would never have thought I was here, would be here doing this, um, but it all happened and I listened to kind of the organicness of it and I'm super happy and excited about where life is going, but you know, I, you need to be open to the fact that your plan can deviate. Amazing, that's great advice. Um, Okay, that's it for this episode, you guys. Uh, Rosa, thank you so much for coming on. And you guys can all follow her and her brand on Instagram on Instagram at by the namesake. So that's um, B Y and then the and then namesake spelt normally. Um, you guys can also follow the podcast at Coming Up in My Sneakers on Instagram. And if you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts and if you like the podcast and you want to give it a five star review, that would be amazing. Um, otherwise, that's it. Have a great week, guys, and don't get caught wearing dirty sneakers. Thank you. Bye.